Yo, have you heard of LinkedIn Learning? If you haven't, LinkedIn Learning is an American massive open online course provider. It provides video courses taught by industry experts in a variety of subjects. Now, why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this because Living Corporate is in partnership with LinkedIn Learning to provide diversity, equity, and inclusion courses. Listen, if you're trying to be a better ally, you want to understand better diversity, equity, inclusion strategies, or you just want to learn how to be a better leader, you got to check out the courses on LinkedIn Learning. So check it out. You can do it one of two ways. You can click the link in the show notes or you go to LinkedIn Learning and you search Living Corporate again. Link in the show notes or go to LinkedIn Learning and search Living Corporate. I'll see you over there. All right, we live. Welcome to the Access Point. Um, welcome, welcome, welcome. Mike here. Brandon Gordon. Yeah, yeah, we're excited to, to jump into this one. I mean, this one is going to be... Uh, an exciting one. One that uh, last week Tristan was super excited about. He was jealous of us because we got to host this one. He said it on the air, uh, and I, I caught it. I, we, we, we got a recording. Um, so before we jump in, uh, let's let's do our introductions. Let's get that out of the way. Uh, you got the first intro, Brent? Yeah, sure. Uh, welcome to Living Corporate. Everyone. Living Corporate is a writing and podcasting platform dedicated to exploring and celebrating underprivileged identities in corporate America just as yourself. We are early to mid-career consultants who came together based on our shared ideas to have a frank conversation about the ways we exist, survive, and succeed in corporate spaces. As a collective, we represent a broad spectrum of beliefs, cultures, and ideas, and we know that our differences have shaped our perspectives and experiences in corporate America. We want to engage with voices that often come to heard and have our conversations out loud. Living corporate is for anyone and everyone who wants to have these conversations with us and push the needle forward to how we can re- create and sustain spaces that are true inclusiveness. Yeah. Now, if you don't know, Living Corporate is a whole network out here, like with, with a ton of content. And so this particular show um, is just one of the shows on the Living Corporate Network. Um, it is called The Access Point, And this is our weekly web show. That's right. It happens every week where we bring y'all the real talk, like the real, real. It's going to help talk. you. Yeah, it's going to help you prepare for the workforce. And, and, you know, I think it's important for us to say, because like, like we, we say it every week twice, this content is for everyone. But we are specifically talking about black and brown folks um, and preparing black and brown students for the future of work. So, you know, normally we have incredible, incredible guests. Uh, that come on this show. But for the first couple of weeks, you just got your host. You're just hanging out with us. Um, and we'll have some guests on next week. So uh, before we jump into our conversation, just take some time. What's up, Chandra? Uh, uh, thank you for hopping in. Uh, get your people over here, right? Share the show. Share it on Twitter. Uh, share it on Facebook, LinkedIn. Text somebody. Get them over here um, and let them know uh, that we're having this this awesome show. So. Let's jump into the topic. The the, the topic, the topic, the topic. Okay, so the topic we have this week is, I just had it. Oh, I just had it. Well, it's called effective documentation. Okay, so so, so that means everything, everything that you do in the corporate workforce needs to be documented. I mean, of course, for legal, legal logistics and legal standpoint, yes, you need to document everything. But as black and brown individuals, we want to make sure, we want to ensure that you are a, 
effectively covering your ass. I, I, <laughs> I would love to say that. And the reason why is, and I don't know Mike can also allude to this, we, we as black and brown individuals have been in experiences where we had to use the CYA method. And what we learned is our word really doesn't hold that much strength. I mean, and, and, and it's, it's sad, very sad to say, our word doesn't hold that much strength in the workforce. So what we have to do is we have to provide documentation to, to, to show people that, hey, this is what I've done. This is what I've been doing. These are the things that people have said about me. These are the things that people have said about my work. And I need to show this to you in, in documented form. And I, I know, Mike, you have, I'm pretty sure you have anecdotes of, of these kind of kinds of stories as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like when I, you know, most of my, most of my work um, in my professional career has been um, in education. And so the, the most helpful thing somebody told me when I got into education was they were like, document everything, keep everything. If you have a phone call, record the phone call, like, like write down the, like, don't like record them without them, but like write down the well, the, a certain, um, in certain jurisdictions, certain states, you can record it without, without their notice, yeah, without their notice, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't even, I, I don't even know what the laws are in Texas where I live, but um, but I know like in Oregon, if you live in Oregon, you can record away, right? Like, but right. yeah, so I, I recommend like for Zoom calls, you know, I, I even today, you know, now when I have Zoom calls, like the first thing I say, hey, do you mind if we record this, right? Um, so I, I, you know, I don't want to leave it up to question, and and particularly I had a situation where, um, in my my first year teaching, I had a parent who called me, um, and he, you know, I was teaching speech, and his daughter, who was an elite soccer player, she's really good, uh, like she used to travel all over, like she's on this very elite, this great travel team, right, was being recruited by you know universities as a sophomore in high school, elite. And uh, he, you know, she's like, hey, I'm not going to have my speech ready because I have soccer. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. But like that, like the, the due date is the due date. It doesn't change. Doesn't change. Her. Yeah. And so, you know, she left sad. But, you know, and suddenly I get a, I get a call from her uh, from her father. And he's like, listen, like, if you're not going to change the due date for her, then she's going to she's just going to have to be sick tomorrow. And I was like. Do what you gotta do, man. You do what you gotta do. I was like, just make sure that you email me that she's gonna be sick tomorrow, like right now. And I said that because she sent me an email right before saying, like, hey, I want to come talk to you about this. Like, I'm tired from soccer, right? So I was able to show my principal both emails. I'm tired from soccer, and then oh, my daughter's sick. Right, and they called. They called everybody in there, and she was like, "No, I'm not sick. My dad was trying to right." And so it's, it 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 covered me from, you know, I, I was working in a private school, and in private schools, rich <laughs> parents, all that kind of stuff, right? So it co- it covered me. That that's the earliest situation I can remember in my professional career. But there's a ton of them. Um, what about what about you? What what, what kind of situations have you been into? Amazing, um, just early in my career, get my idea stolen. Um, mm. Yeah, and I was working for this company called. Uh, I just call them JCA. Um, so I was working for JCA and um, or JCI. Some work called JCI. And what I've what I've learned was um, just shooting ideas out just in the wind, and people getting a hold getting a hold of it, and then taking hundred uh, percent credit for it. And 
that was that's the thing I realized. Like I have to write everything down, document it, and be in meetings where my managers and and people of the sort of higher ups could actually hear my ideas, and they won't be stuck. They won't get stolen by other people that's looking for credit. Uh, it was it was on a project. It was on a big project in downtown Houston, um, doing HVAC controls. Uh, I figured out a way to make the the system run more efficiently. Um, and just shooting ideas out of the way. One of the one of the project managers took the idea, ran with it, and I was just left in the wind because I didn't just say, well, he took it and said, hey, this is mine. I'm like, well, this is mine. And it was just, it was just a, he said, she said, I couldn't win because he had more experience than me and with the, with yeah. the people he was working with. So w- one thing I've learned was um, writing everything down, write everything down. And not just on a notepad, but actually in emails or some some way of tracking and let let people know your ideas because when when other people get it they may revamp it and take it as their own and you are left out in the dirt. That's why there, there are things called patents. Pretty much a patent is the ultimate CYA because if you don't have that kind of information, anybody can steal it. Anybody. Yeah. And then you won't get credit for it. And yeah. Now, now in 2021, you you have credit, so if you have an IP or intellectual property of some of some sort, you can get monetary value for it, and that's really what it is. We're trying to protect, protect you, which is the investment. Well, trying to protect the investment, which is the investment is you. So, um, what what are the effects of, of CYA that you can think of? So, I th- I think there's a couple. Th- I think you, you know. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in the chat as well, um, and also Chandra, feel free to ask any questions. Like Chandra says, she is an executive assistant, so she knows all about CYA. Um, but really, what yes. what I, what I want to cover, and I think we can do this. I think this will be a great way to organize our time. Is that so? I, in my mind, there's there's four types of workplace documentation, and I put them in the chat. The first is CYA, right? And that's like. That's the documentation that you keep to keep yourself from getting in trouble. It's to if somebody tries to accuse you of doing something you didn't do, if they try, to, if they say you weren't working when you were, right? Like that's the document, that's the receipt you pull out, and you're like, "Bam, I was doing what I was supposed to do." Okay, I was well, so let's okay, so let's so let's stay here. So when you say CY, does that mean like keeping uh, tracks of emails? Does that mean like keeping uh, other managers and people in the loop of what you're doing as well? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, like cool. one, of the, one of the things I actually do with my emails, I have a tagging system and I tag my emails. I'm obsessive about it. So like I, you know, I tag my personal email, I tag my work email address and, and they, you know, they're color coded and everything. So if somebody says, oh, like you didn't get back to me on this, I will go pull up that folder and pull out that email and look at that chain and say, you know what, that's not true. I actually did get back to you on this date at this time. You just didn't respond, right? And I, I, I think as a black person in the workplace, that's the mo- that's that's the documentation that we talk about, or that we I think we experience the most, simply because um, if we're real if we're real about it, America is an anti-black country, and there's a natural distrust of black people. That's right. right? That's so you know that's that's so the most. One thing I've learned from a, a black engineer that I was working with, so this was about maybe six years ago, was he he kept an email list of of the email folder of all the compliments that he received yep. from the from people that he worked with 
throughout that year. So when it was time for like, uh, I know you're going to get to like the salary, salary negotiations and things like that and performance reviews, he was able to pull those emails out and show his, his manager like, hey, this is what the people have been saying. This is what my clients have been saying. This is what the contractors have been saying all about me throughout the entire year. So in that way, when it's time, nobody can ever say that he, somebody said something negative about him because we have documented proof that he said something positive. And that's right. what that's that's one thing I've done um, throughout my throughout my career is, you know, I'm I typically don't I don't work for my manager I work for my clients. Uh, yes, I do have a manager, charge a brag folder. Yes, exactly. So I um, work for my clients, and my clients may may call my boss after every project. He may email them and say, "Hey, Brandon, Brandon did a great job on this project. He was attentive. He did the work. He even over above and beyond what the scope of the project was. You know, just give me my my good kudos." So. When it's time for the salary negotiations, you know, I'm able to pull up those folders and the emails and tell them, like, hey, this is what they said. So you can't say I've been doing bad when these people have been doing good. I'm making X, Y, and Z dollars. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm 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 totally with that. Like, and I I'll you know, let's 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 stay with salary negotiations, right? Because you know, one one of the things I think if we're doing our job right with the access point, my hope is that you're not a person that has to justify why you're there every year when it's the time for a performance review. So that brag folder, like, like Chandra put in the, in the, in the chat, it, it should be to get you more money, not to, to justify you having a job. Right. No, right so right. yeah, like exactly. And I, 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 I think that, for, you know, I, I've used that, right. I've used, you know, parent emails, I've used online reviews, stuff like that. Um, to even in a, in a field where people say there's no money to command more money. Right. And I think, so I love, I love the idea of a brag folder. What, what other kind of documentation do you think is important for salary negotiation? For salary negotiation? Besides emails? I mean, the, the work, yeah. you, the work of you, the work of you done. So um, one thing um, that my boss, I forgot the, the technical term for it. Right. I think it was like your, your effective usage or something like that. I don't know mm-hmm. if the correct usage of it was, right. So um, there's, you Put your out your forty hours in, right? But it's based on if, you, if you're working on on a project or if you're using overhead hours um, when you do your time sheets. So he did. He showed me a printout of everything, every all the hours and projects that I was on for the year, and then versus um, how much overhead I was using. And so his metric was if you're um, charging a minimum seventy eight percent of your money towards the projects as opposed to overhead, you're considered a good worker. I was using ninety three percent. And another seven percent was like um, holiday pay and um, holiday pay, and I want to say like uh, vacation time. So effectively, I was doing, I was going above and beyond. But they showed him that I'm spending not his own money, but I'm spending the the client's money. I'm also using that money well because I was I'm, I'm still around doing my work. So if you can find a way to to show um, how much overhead you're using versus how much of the, um, the other clients money that you're using, you know, if you're in that kind of field to show that, Hey, I'm being used, I'm being very utilized in your, in your company. I'm not spending you some money, you know? So I forgot, I forgot the technical term for, it. I want to say it's like effective usage or something, something like that, yeah. but I'm not spending my company's money. I'm spending right. some 
of money, right? So yeah. you can find other metrics like that. If you can find, um, I say link, LinkedIn would be a great example. If you could get people to write reviews for you on LinkedIn, whatever um, field that you're in, and say, hey, this, hey, Brandon did a good job on this, Mike did a good job on this. And you can show over time, and it's, they, they, can, they can go into the future as well. If you can show over time that you have a good rapport and a good track history, nobody has um, nothing else to say but good things about you. Right. And want to hire or want to keep you at, at your current position or be, get you in a better position. So, Mike, so what else would you feel that you would also need to, to for selling negotiations? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think like, uh, part of this goes with, number two, protecting your IP as well. Um, and I love that you brought up LinkedIn because one of, one, one of the ways that I have done this um, with salary negotiations has been to use the, 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 the entire internet space Right. So if you get featured in some uh, magazine, right, like let's say you get a Forbes feature. Right. Um, as a matter of fact, so I, when I got my, my first Forbes feature, I put it in Slack. And, and, and you know, I'm sure there are people that was like, oh, he's arrogant. But I shared it in Slack because, number one, I was happy about being in Forbes. But number two, I needed them to know when it comes down to salary negotiation, I'm not like the rest of these people up in here, right? Like I'm, I'm featured in Forbes. Where are they at, right? Um, and when you know when it when it came around to that, and, and we started talking about new positions and new new stuff, they you know they looked at me and they said, okay, well, well, like what what separates you? And I said, oh well, let me pull out this Forbes. Let me pull out this Austin American Statesman. Let me put you know I, I started pulling out printouts of, of of these places where I have been featured, right? Um, and, and all of a sudden the conversation was different, you know what I'm saying? So I think it's, 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 it's also seeking opportunities. Like what work can you do outside of your job that's connected, right? That proves your value to the greater, like the world. So like I have two Ted talks, right? That for me, that's a salary negotiation tool. And it's, I said this last week as well, like, yes, like Ted is cool. Like the moment is cool, right? Like going up on the stage, you know, people clapping for you when you, but that is not that I, I could care less about that. I've done that enough in my life. I don't care. I want the YouTube video because I want that receipt. I want when it comes time views. for somebody. Exactly. I want views. I want. And so now I can put it in front of somebody and say, this talk has 36,000 views. Right. Which means that it, that means something to the community. So as long as I'm working, I will have those for salary negotiations. But also it's, it's my IP. Right. It's my so intellectual property. So I, I do the same thing, but like you like say for LinkedIn, but I also do that for Twitter, right? So yep. I, so if you if you follow follow me on Ghostface Sigma Shameless Plug, by the way, on Twitter. So <laughs> I was actually, I was actually searched my name, right? Somebody said on Twitter like a couple of weeks ago that if you search your Twitter name, see how many articles are posted using your tweets. So I, I did that. I knew I was posted on um, the Source magazine. I was on Washington Post, uh, Yahoo News. Um, let's see. Uh, out magazine. That's kind of weird, but okay. Bro Bible, just the local magazines, um, rolling out. So I, I've been on a few, a few major publications, um, just on the, the, the social atmosphere. But I mean, just, just like you said, Mike, if you show people like, hey, look at me. This is what I do. Yeah. What I do well. People watch me. People watch me. If you watch Battle Rock, uh, the famous two sir say, people watch me and a lot. Yeah, so if you can, if you can get people to watch you and a lot, it can show your worth and show your value.
Exactly. I mean, I think I think that like the the game of salary negotiation and the game of growing on social media is the game of attention. That's all it is. It's all it's ever been, right? That's and all if it you, is. If yeah, if you can drive attention to your company's name and their mission, then that money's gonna follow, right? Like you know, I mean, I think the other thing is podcast, right? So the other thing I would say with with documentation, um, I wanted a way to to claim my IP and capture my like a running record of my ideas, but also. I wanted my network to speak out loud. So part of the reason why I started my podcast, the Schoolish Podcast, is so when I have guests like Nir Eyal, who's one of the, the, the world leaders in, in uh, behavioral science, um, who means like his, his name means in the education world, it really everywhere, just put it this way, he, he's an angel investor. And, and here's the companies he's invested in, Eventbrite, Canva, uh, anchor the podcasting platform, Kahoot, mm-hmm. right? Like all it, all of his investments hit. You know what I'm saying? So like being able to have a conversation with him on my podcast and have that video as evidence. Oh yeah, I'm using that. I'm I'm using when, whenever somebody, you know. Again, if you're listening, like for our audience, like y'all are not going to be in the position where you're going to have to justify why you're there. It's all about getting extra, getting more, get more. Yeah. Is a, yes, yes. So, so you say protecting your IP, right? Yep. Okay. So when it comes, you don't know your IP is your intellectual property. It's whatever you could using using your brain. So what I've learned is you may know about how to protect it, but I'm saying this. Uh, so my experience when you sign on to like these, I work for the engineering field. So whatever ideas or tools or new inventions that you come up with, your IP becomes part of the company's IPs. Yeah, unless you have a patent, right? Unless you have, unless you have a patent already going in, any new software, any new idea, any new technology that you that you use, the company can claim, and you can, most companies do sign off and say that any anything that you create while you're working for us belongs to us up until, I work for some companies, they said a year, some companies said five years. It all depends on whatever contract that you sign. You can also negotiate if you can get that out, but most likely they won't they won't get away from that. They'll say, hey, hey you work for me, anything that you create or use or is it's, it's technically mine or the company's or whatever. So when I, I say all that to say this, right? When it comes to your IP, right, how how hard is it? Number one, and number two, what steps do you need to take to make sure that it's yours? Yeah. Yeah, so I think the first thing, what I, what I'll tell you what I do, I, I have a secret blog that nobody has access to. Um, and the reason why I pay for the domain, um, and I won't tell you what it is, because- It's a secret. Yeah, but I put every single thing I create on that blog um, because, for example, let's say you want to write a book, right? And you start taking stuff that you posted only on LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn, theoretically, because of their terms and agreements, if that book blows up, theoretically, <laughs> LinkedIn could come in and say, no, 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 that belongs to us. And they could claim parts of the book that you wrote because you're using posts, even though it's your post, even though you might have my tweets or my thoughts or these are my thoughts, it doesn't matter. Unless you have it, unless it comes from a place of ownership, right? So for me, like before I post on LinkedIn, I'll write the post out on this blog, and then I'll post it on LinkedIn. 
and I make sure that that timestamp, right? So and I know it's, it, it is an extra step and it, it, it does sound crazy, but I plan no, on right. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> it's how you got to protect yourself, you know? Like, um, so you, I think it's just making sure that you have an original source that, that's not for public consumption um, that, be, that belongs to you. Like, uh, I have a friend who is, he uh, writes screenplays and he does the, the, the poor man's copyright where he, uh, whenever he produces something, he just mails it to himself. So even like pages in his notebook that he turns into a screenplay before he talks to any producer or any director, he literally like just rips the note, like he'll type them out, print it out, and then he'll put the printed copy next to the original copy and he'll mail it to himself and leave it sealed. So if there's ever any dispute, he's got his IP. Um, the other thing I think you can do to protect your IP is be really big and bold um, about like, I mean, honestly, like to be really self-promoting. Um, like, so that like if you have an idea and you put it out there um the the truth is is that unless you're working for a big company like so like what, what you mentioned <laughs> and about how big companies like they like if you work for apple and you create something at apple like oh, apple. yeah it's apple you better go post about it because you ain't winning that you're not winning that <laughs> like that fight, you're losing that fight the day you start but if you if you're working at a startup or, or let's say that's not the nature of your job. Let's say you work in a school or you, you, know, you work in consulting or you're a real estate agent. You come up with some idea. Generally speaking, most people are not going to do anything about it. Like you could share that idea far and wide and most people will not do anything about it. Right? Just because most people, just, they just don't have, the, they don't, they don't, they don't have the knowledge, the know-how. Or they just, like really, they just, they just will forget to do it. Right. The the this is like the Gary Vaynerchuk method, if you will. But like, if you're big, loud, and fast enough, and you're you're consistent enough with that message, enough people will know that that idea or that Case message is yours. Yeah, like I think like you're seeing this on TikTok. Well, people will create these dances, and then they're like, "I'm the real creator of this dance, and nobody's giving me credit." Well, you didn't protect your IP. <laughs> like right. you just put it on TikTok. So one thing, I, one thing about the dances uh, was one guy where the money resides. He he, uh, he, he, he made sure he made sure he protected his IP and got his stuff copyrighted. Yeah, yeah. When you they, know, yeah. He, he said. Go ahead. He said as soon as, he said as soon as he saw uh, Saweetie retweet it, he mm -hmm. said he called lawyers and was like, "I want to trademark every part of his little dance um, in the original video," and he making money now. Yeah, he. Yeah. I've seen. I don't know how he's doing it in the in the pandemic, going to doing tours or clubs. Yeah, and dancing. Okay, that's a whole different story. A whole, yeah. But but he is making an effective business out of just that one simple slogan, protecting mm -hmm. IP and making money off of. It. And, yeah. and that's really what the goal is. No matter what you do or how you do it, have an idea. Go to the go to the proper channels to make sure that it is legally yours. And then go out and make your money off. Yeah, yeah. Because name of the game. Because that dude worked at a Honda dealership, so he, yeah. Honda could have came in if he didn't call those lawyers soon enough. Honda could have came in and say, you know what, where the money reside belongs. Where the money reside? Well, yeah, exactly. They could have ran an international campaign talking about where the money reside. You know, but nope, not no more. Not unless they pay not him. No more. That's right. So speaking of speaking of payments, we're talking about the last topic, which is the future. And I know we it was a bunch of ideas that we threw that we threw out when we talked about um, LinkedIn. We talked about the emails and things and things of the sort. And so one thing I um, 
I need to start doing personally is have people uh, go to my LinkedIn, leave comments. So just in, just in the case if I do decide to venture out to more and better, bigger opportunities, that I have a track record of people giving me good kudos and, sh- and, and, and other people can see that, hey, this guy is is really doing a great job. Now, I don't know. Um, you may you may know about more about this than LinkedIn than I do, but how effective is the um, the comments not the comment section, but like the the recommendations, the recommendations and endorsement section of LinkedIn? Oh man, massive! And I'll t- I'll tell you, some people, a lot of people discount this. You know who probably he the, one of the people that I think has actually done maybe the best job I've seen at getting recommendations, and this is this this is partially by the nature of of his job, but I got to shout out. Tristan, right? Tristan Layfield. If you go to Tristan's LinkedIn profile right now, he got the recommendation section on lock, right? But you know, I have I have a couple, I, and and what I did and what I do for the recommendations, I've gotten. So I've gotten every time somebody recommends you on LinkedIn, you will get um, a notification that says, "Hey, do you want to approve the recommendation?" I own for me personally, just because I, I, I for, the, for the I don't really. Education doesn't always feel like corporate America, but because I work in education, um, and now I, you know now I work it I work at it from a different angle. I'm not in a school anymore, but um, I only use the recommendations that have the most impact on my career. So, for example, um, if you look at my LinkedIn uh, recommendations section, um, there is a recommendation that, and this is how it ends. I'm going to read it. It says, if you want to understand what the future of education looks like and need a juggernaut who can kickstart an alternate education revolution in your district, school, or organization, Mike Yates should be the first person that you call, right? That, like, that line right there has actually gotten me a job. Like, literally, I, I showed up at an interview, and they were like, this is what somebody said about you. You don't need to justify yourself. We know you're awesome, Right? That 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 one right. So I think the recommendation section is powerful. Uh, if your job is a job where you're working, if, if it's client facing, if you're consulting, if you're an account manager, if it's customer service based, every single time you close out an interaction, you should just ask for the for the LinkedIn recommendation every, every time. And and it like let's say you ask a hundred yes. people a year. And you you have a ten percent conversion rate. That's that's a, that's normally ten more recommendations than most people have on their LinkedIn profile. Facts, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so we so we talked about CYAs and futures, right? We talked about keeping a track of your emails. Now with your emails, right? Um, go through your your legal not the legal department, but your um. HR department to see if you can print off the emails and see if you can use those for other um, job opportunities and things like that. Because they, uh, your company may say you can't print off the emails. This is confidential information and things of the sort. So if you have the opportunity to print off emails to say about your accomplishments, about what you've done, and you may potentially can use those emails from your own personal coworkers to mm-hmm. For a different job to different job opportunities, they could be very helpful as well. But the the whole point of it is to make sure that you are putting yourself in the best possible position. Yeah. 
that's, that's, that's really that's really what it is. I mean, we we can also talk about all the woes and negativities of covering your ass, but really, what it comes down to it is this is I'm protecting myself. I'm protecting my financial investment. I'm also protecting my future. Is there any way that I? There's nothing, and, there, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with fighting for yourself. That's, yeah. that's basically what it is. We're just fighting, making sure you're in the best possible position. Say it three times, man, to fight for yourself. Right. I mean, because because if you if you don't like, nobody what? will. You know, and, and the, the you know the other thing I'll say, I, the thing I cannot stress enough on the access point is that you start looking for your next job the day you start your current job. Oh wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, now, now that's that's a very good question. Why? Okay, here's what here's what I mean by that. I don't mean that you start a new job <laughs> and you go on you go on uh, on LinkedIn or Indeed and you start actually a job search. What I mean by that is the work that you do in your current job is going to set you up for the next position. Right. And, and unless you decide, which some people some people do, and there's no shame in this, unless you say I'm going to be at this company for 20 years. All right. But for me, I know the way I work. I start and when I say looking, I mean preparing. You start preparing for your next job the day you start your first job, which means every every assignment that you get, every project that you work on, you should be documenting that journey. So that if if a time comes when you decide you want to leave, you're not stuck, right? And and trust me, I mean, listen, y'all, their salary, like we, we've talked about salary negotiations, a high salary can also be something called golden handcuffs. Mm-hmm. And to make sure, what, what, a, what a golden handcuff is, is basically, uh, in some, a lot of companies, especially where, I'm, where I live in Austin, Texas, they do this a lot, they pay you a salary that is exponentially higher than um, most other companies pay for that particular role, so that right. you have to, you feel like you have to stay and you have to put up with more, and they can overwork you and all kind of stuff. Here, here's the example I'll give you, and I'm, I'm not going to say names, but there is a, there there's a school in Austin, Texas that pays uh, educators one hundred thousand dollars a year. Now, yeah, now just think about that: educators, teachers, one hundred thousand dollars a year. How easy is it? Do you think it is to go from one hundred thousand dollars a year back down to fifty? Not easy at all, right? You know what I'm saying? So, like, if you work there, that's that's an example of golden handcuffs. And and the reason why I say the fourth type of workplace documentation needs to be concerned with the future is so you can have the key to unlock those golden handcuffs if you want and move on. You should not have to take a pay cut to move on from a toxic environment. You should not have to take a pay cut to move move on just because you want something new. You should actually be able to take a pay raise. And so everything you do at work is setting you up for, for, for your next job. So look, like I, I just started a new job in October, right? And, and like, I mean, this is literally my story. I used all my receipts to where this job came looking for me. And they let me design the position. And 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 so I, you know. I, I was able to make a smooth, very nice transition. But you know what I've been focused on in my first 90 days? How much impact can I create and where can I document that impact? Right? Mm. Because because it's, I'm not saying I'm going to leave in 90 days. I'm not saying I'm going to leave in three. I'm not saying I'm going to leave at all. But I know that the word of my current employer, the, the way that I'm viewed there, the latitude that I get, the responsibilities that I get, 
It's going to help me learn something and it's going to help me show another company why I'm valuable enough to offer me a better position. Right. Okay. Now, you you said something about golden handcuffs, right? And I know this is kind of off topic, right? So why do companies, I know you talked about, you know, they, is it more of like a, a mental thing to where, I know especially living in Austin, uh, um, $50,000 won't, won't take you a long way in Austin based on the, what the, the current, the current um, living expenses is in Austin. So when they, when they pay you this salary, right, typically you don't see that much room for improvement as well when it comes down to pay raises and, and increases, right? So Yeah, but this place is crazy. This place okay. is different. Okay. It, but what, I'm, what I don't understand is, is, is the, the turnover rate high? Is the... Is it hard to get the, to get the position? Like, how is the, the job? Yeah. So generally speaking, with, the, with, with in, in my experience, with companies that you can describe as, with, as golden handcuffs with those types of positions, generally speaking, the turnover is not very high because they, they create scarcity in order to drive the salary up. Like, th- this, particular, this particular place, the pay scale, goes from $100,000 a year to $200,000 a year to 400 and then there 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 is there's really nothing above that but but you see very big leaps right so let's say you've gotten to 400 and now you've adjusted your life to live at 400,000 i mean to them it's like you got to stay cuz like where are you going to go to get so the the other thing i'll say like when i say golden handcuffs i don't i don't mean any job that pays a lot um so golden handcuffs specifically are jobs that pay a lot of money, but you have a very vague job title. And it's not okay. like just, just by your title alone. So like, let's like if you're making $200,000 a year and your job title does not say chief this or chief that or vice president of this, you know what I'm saying? Like, if it doesn't say that, people are like, first of all, when you apply for, for other jobs, nobody really knows your salary unless you report it to them, which you should right. never actually. Um, but, uh, you know, so nobody should really even know your current salary. But it, so when you think about that, if you have a job that has a very vague or an, like analogous job, and in tech, people love to say things like, oh, I'm the SEO wizard. Like if you're the SEO wizard and you make $400,000 a year, how are you going to convince somebody to let you be the vice president of, uh, 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 you know, of search engine optimization? Right. And your title is SEO wizard, right? Now you're unhappy. You have this weird job title. Nobody knows what you do, but you make a lot of money and you can't find yourself a way out of that company. That's a golden handcuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a popular tool in tech to keep people like what these tech billionaires figured out is they were like, look, if I can, if I can essentially box somebody into a role, and then and then justify it by saying, "Look, I'm paying you a lot of money, so you should be up at night, and you should be you should be working extra hours, and you should actually hand me the intellectual property to anything that you create, right? Like that that's how they do it, right? Like yeah. it's another form. Of, it's a pretty much another form of slavery, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's damn near indentured wow. servitude, right? <laughs> wow. I see. I, I see. I never. First of all, that's, that's morally and ethically, ethically wrong. Just just in my book, right? Number one, off top. Yeah. But to, but when you when you hit, 
first of all, most people never heard of getting $100,000. Most people won't touch $100,000 in a year. If you are, you're very blessed, number one. Number two, once, like I said, once you adjusted your lifestyle around that money, you can't go less. Yep. You got that car, you got the house, you got kids, you got yep. bills. You adjusted your entire life around that. Wow, I've mm -hmm. never, I would never think about doing somebody like that. Yeah. Well, and then, and then it's like you said, also, like, BJ, you said psychologically, like, even, even if you can adjust your life to where you can go back psychologically, you know how hard it is to, like, take a, a 50 percent, like, decrease in pay? Like, I've never had to no. do that. You know, so no, I, I haven't either. Like I've, I've I've talked to my wife plenty of times about you know I've lived off of a hundred dollars in college back in two yeah. my freshman year. I've lived off a hundred dollars in college for two three months. Yep, I can't do that now. Mm -mm. My life has been adjusted to 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 eat, live a certain way, eat a certain way, do certain things with my body, like you know getting massages and taking care of myself to where I can't do that kind of stuff anymore. Just living like a savage, I can't do mm -hmm. it. Yeah, and and people are actually using that to the corporations are using that to their advantage. Yeah, and that, that's why I say that's why I say number four, the, the, like thinking about the future, like documenting your journey, right? Like I see, like Ch Ch Chandra said, like she's in that situation right now. Look, my advice is to start documenting, right? Start building a case for yourself, and even if it takes a year, right? I'll tell, I'll tell, I'll just tell you out very transparently, like look. It, the golden handcuffs, I know about the situation because I lived that situation. I was in one of those positions. And what, all I did was I said, you know what? Like, I was in this place for three years. But at year 1.5, I, I started making my plan. I started posting on LinkedIn. I, st I started doing podcasts and TED Talks. And I knew from doing those things that, that one day the day is going to come where I'm going to leave this place. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go down. I'm going to go up in salary. And right. I'm going to tell you what, what happened when I left, what, what, what happened, all of my, my coworkers started calling me out of the blue. Oh, we, we didn't know we could get out of here. Oh, we didn't know it was possible. And so the number one thing I tell my brother who's in college, college students, young professionals, when you get that new job, especially in tech, when you get that new job in corporate America, the first thing you should start doing is thinking about what's next. And I know you're really happy and you're really excited because you've always wanted to work for LinkedIn or you've always wanted to work for Google or you've always wanted to work for KPMG or Deloitte. But they, like you do not ever want to get stuck. And this type of documentation that I'm talking about prevents you from getting stuck. Now, speaking of documentation, can you lie about your job title? You know, you, you said you said SEO was I'm the SEO words that I do X, Y, Z. Can you lie about it? Can you not, not really lie? But tweak it in such a way that because they don't, they really don't know like right. their job titles, right? Yeah. So, can you document somewhere and say I was a project manager of this? It was just project manager, or was I a program specialist? You know how yeah. can you, how, how can you document it to where you won't pigeonhole yourself into staying in one specific lane? Yeah. So I'll, that, that's I think that's an interesting question. So the the, uh, the place where I was at, and I'll say I'll say this just very transparently. The, the, the place where I was at that's described as golden handcuffs, the director of that place was like amazing. And he straight up said, he was like, if you ever want to leave, he was like, I will invent an impressive sounding job title for you. Like he, he was he was like, I'm not trying to like box you in, but there were there were some powers that be that might have been. Um for me, I didn't do that 
because um, part part of me leaving, I will admit, was kind of like a flex to show them that I could. <laughs> like, um, because I had people that was like, "Yo, you're nuts. LinkedIn's not going to get you another job." So part of me, part of me was like, "No, nah, I'm gonna show you. Like, I'm gonna show you." And so I didn't. But I think what you're saying makes absolute sense. Like, stupid job title or stupid sounding job title. As long as whatever title you present accurately describes the work that you did, because I think like that's what's missing with these weird job titles is that they don't describe the work that you're doing. But the but one thing I think what corporations understood nowadays is. We, we as millennials and zennials and, and generation, the new generation, right? The, as I say, the phone generation, I don't, I don't know what else to call them, right? Yeah. You know that we are looking for the job title. We, we mm-hmm. big sounding, the cool job, because we can brag to our friends about it. Yep. So they know that. So they know that if I can give you a, a okay salary that you can live off of, if I can give you these sort of packages and this cool sounding job title and say, this is what you do. It will sound great. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we need to break ourselves from, and yes, the job title may sound good that you are a project manager, X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. But do you really have the skills and the know-how to do said job title? Right. right. And people to back you up when it comes down to your getting your kudos and things like that when it comes down to promotions and maybe mm-hmm. to another company. Oh man, yeah. Job job titles mean nothing to me, like nothing. And you know, like look, the one thing I'll say is like if you're gonna fabricate your job title, well, not fabricate, but like if if you're in a situation where you have like a silly job title and you have to like rework it, I think that's a common thing to do. But the thing I'll say is like don't like like don't fabricate it. Don't don't lie. You, you know, I I, I just. I, there's too many people on the internet right now that's lying. Too many entrepreneurs lying about their successful business, and 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 too many you know too many people lying about how they how you know like I I, I know people that I'm very close to that are telling all kinds of lies on the internet about their career, and that's not like if you want to talk about documentation, like do not lie because it's gonna catch up with you, right? Like I mean. And the story I'll give you is that I, I, I have a friend who has a very large internet presence. I have, I have several friends who have very large internet presences. Um, and one, of the, you know, one in particular uh, uh, is a master of deceit. He's <laughs> very good at it. Um, world class. And, um, uh, and I had a person reach out to me who was interested in investing in this new venture. And they were like, you got to give it to me straight. And I, I was like, look, because of my reputation, I'm not like, you know what I'm saying? Like I had to pull out a different receipt that wasn't, you know, I was like, this is not true. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it's just, it's straight up a lie. And so the thing, like you will get caught if you if you are making up stuff, if you lying about your receipts, like that's not the type of documentation we need. But uh, yeah, I think I, I think if it, you know if you have to be creative with your job title or or anything like that, I really think it ha- it just has to describe what you actually are doing, right? Like like I I have a job title <laughs> that, that people think is impressive, and I'm like I don't even 
I don't even know what that means in the like in our organization. Like I'm too new. I also don't care. I just like I like I like to have fun at work. That's all I care yeah. about. <laughs> so like yes, yeah, so I know I know I've lied on that. That really lied, but. Uh, exaggerated some of my job titles. Like, yeah, I was a right, my current job title. I'm a process safety engineer. So, uh, I did See, say, that sounds impressive. It does sound impressive, but but, no, but but that's what I do. But I also said, yeah, I do project management too because I've done, I've had. Oh yeah, project. But but my my title was um, process process safety engineer. But I've also said, yeah, I've, I've done project management. I've done X, Y, and Z. I've done. But you stuff. have. I have. Yeah, but, exactly. But my official job title was process safety engineer slash project manager, even though I never was officially granted that process, meaning that project management position. I got gotcha. you. Companies. Yes, I've done process. I mean, I've done a project management. Therefore, I will grant myself the title. They don't know that, but right. they, they, they do know I have the experience to do the work. Right, yeah, and and that's I think that's what I mean. Like, like, because what you did was you took a, you took a very real thing that you were required to do in your job, and even though, because let's just be real, like employers have, they have, every reason to have you be a project manager without naming you a project manager, because then they gotta pay you, pay you to be a project manager. Right. So they would love, they would love to just have you do that thing without, you know, saying, and and if if. If you were doing project management, I don't see like I, I think that's you know the way that you communicate it is is the way that you communicate. It, but like like I I would include it and let them know like yeah like this is what I did when, I, when I was yeah it's great like like you know I have a friend named Markel who the, the engineering world is like kind of foreign to me it's very different it's different to me but my, my I have a friend named Markel who's an engineer at Tesla right and Markel's not he he has several patents for like very real things that, that are on a Tesla. But he will not tell you at all about, like he does, he does not want to talk about it. Um, like you have, to, you have to pry it out of the guy uh, the, the couple of times I've talked to him. Um, engineering, you might as well speak in hieroglyphics because, or speak in Braille, because just that's a whole different, engineers, they yeah. can talk one simple topic. It just, it just, I don't want to talk engineering most of the time anyway. I just want to yeah. talk about the type stuff. But, Mike, we are at the 49-minute mark. Yeah. Great. Now, if anybody has any questions, where can they find you, Mike? Uh, we, we have effectively talked about CYA, the, the ways you can protect yourself, uh, how to make more money while doing it, and protecting your future as well and covering your behind. So, Mike, where can people find you if they want to have more topics and, uh, about this as well as any follow-up questions that they have? Yeah, find me on LinkedIn, Mike Yates. Find me on Twitter at just Mike Yates. All right, and uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Ghostface Sigma. Um, follow Living Corporate at Living Corporate under, Living Corp underscore Pod. Um, find follow them on LinkedIn as well as Living Corporate. Um, next week, next week we will have Tristan and Tiffany. They'll be talking about respectability politics. Mm, so next week, next week, same time, same channel. Next week, they will talk about respectable, respectability politics. This will be with Tristan and Tiffany. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. This will be Tiffany's first show of the year. Yes, it will. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to bug her about that. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, man. So if, if anything else, we, we enjoyed you guys uh, staying on, and we'll see you guys next week.